Retail Revolution, a unique podcast that features in-depth conversations with guest experts in omni-channel retailing with myriad perspectives, technology, consumer engagement, data analytics, merchandising, and more. We pay special attention to current socio-political issues and challenges and their implications on fashion retail, as well as opportunities to innovate and rethink retail's future. Visit RetailRevolutionPodcast.com for more information, including full transcripts, and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Retail Revolution Podcast. Retail Revolution is produced by Joshua Williams and hosted by Christopher Lacey. Both are assistant professors in the Fashion Management Graduate Program at Parsons School of Design. Welcome to Retail Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lacey. Today, we have with us the CEO and founder of Creative Visual Solutions, a retail and sales consulting company that helps boutique and small retail owners grow their businesses through proven merchandising and sales strategies. Throughout her career, she has had the privilege of driving results and collaborating with some of the country's best retailers, such as The Gap, Ann Taylor, Forever 21, Nike, UA, and The North Face. She has been featured in top retail publications, such as Compliant IA, an independent retailer. Now she uses her vast experience to help her clients achieve sales success within their businesses. Welcome to the show, Nicole Sims. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. So I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. When we originally spoke, it's funny because the thing that came to my head was if I were to name this episode anything, it would be named The Rigor of Retail Leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, so I want you to tell our listeners a bit about yourself so that they understand why I would have said that. I'm Nicole Sims, CEO of Creative Visual Solutions, and I've been in the retail for 30 years. And so I started the first half of my career in management, and I worked with retailers like Ann Taylor. I was a manager with Gap. I was a manager with New York and Company, with Express. And so I've really learned how to run a business, how to run a retail business, and the ins and outs of different types of businesses, high volume, low volume, especially in specialty, and had a little bit of experience with the department store. Then in the second half of my career, I became more visually inclined because I started really love visual merchandising when I was at Ann Taylor. And so I became a district visual for Forever 21, then became a regional visual for Sports Authority. And that's where I really got into the nuts and bolts of the visual aspect of running a business and how visual merchandising can affect your business, running a business, especially business and getting your sales and increased traffic with brands like Nike, Under Armour, and North Face. So I'll have both sides of the business. And I know that both sides are important to run a successful retail business. You can't be just a creative and not understanding the business side. You also can't just know the business side of the numbers. You have to understand the creative side. So how important they are to come together. So when we were talking, we realized a lot of people in the industry, especially the management side and the business side of it, understanding that both have to meet in order to have a successful brand and successful business. Nicole, as you look out now at the fashion retail landscape, considering the first half of your career, the last half of your career, what do you think will be the biggest changes in retail and customer engagement as we start opening up stores again and we engage with consumers? Biggest thing I see is making it more part entertainment and part connection. So how a customer engaged with you is how they feel connected to you. How they're connected to you is how much they understand who you are as a brand. And how they do that is by your communication. So you have to make sure you're communicating online. Your email marketing is key. I know you hear 
up and down things about email marketing is dead or it's alive. But to me, email marketing is key because it allows you to stay connected with your customer intimately. You can talk to them on a personal basis. You can tell them more things about you and your brand. And that keeps them connected to you, which fosters engagement. So the key thing is to keep communicating with your customers. And then when they're in your store or on your online store, keep them entertained and interested in what they're looking at. Fosters engagement. If they get bored, if they get interested, you're not keeping it fresh, they're going to leave. So twofold, make sure you're communicating with them so they know what's going on, they know who you are as a brand. Also, make it entertaining, make it a fun. I completely agree with you on, on those points, that level of entertainment value that has to be there. I think we were actually starting to see that happening more and more before we kind of got into this pandemic situation. And then you have certain malls that really had that at the basis of what they wanted to do. And I think American Dream was really kind of that huge starting point of what this would start to look like. But now I think rethinking that is how is there going to be the same experience, but in a smaller footprint? The other side of it is really to this idea of, of clienteling. And, and you and I know this world of clienteling really well. And and it's definitely probably had to shift. But I want to know from you, do you think that clienteling is still possible during these times, right? And and if and if it is possible, what does it need to look like? Because to your point, there has to be something more than just product that you're bringing people in for. So is clienteling a thing that can really be done by associates now? I think it is. Again, like I said, you have to change with the time. So a lot of stores either are, are not open or they have limited availability opening. So everything is really done online. But clienteling really is about making your customer feel special and customer servicing them over and above. So that's really the basis of a clienteling. So you can still do that, like I said earlier, with email marketing. You could definitely do that with the way you're connecting with them online. And you want to make sure that you're just connecting with them some kind of way on a consistent basis, making them feel special, appreciated, and that they're kind of on the inside track. So you can still do clienteling. You can still do phone calls. You can still do mail. I think a lot of stationary stores are starting to explode because that handwritten letter is starting to get popular again. So as long as you're doing things to showcase that fact that you care for their business and engaging with them and communicating with them, keeping it open, I tell you definitely is alive. Yeah, I think it's really going to be, what is it that the customer necessarily wants to hear from you? It definitely depends on what sector of retail you're in. I think when you're in luxury, it's it's one of those things like if somebody reaches out to me from luxury, I need them to take me away from the thoughts of everything that's going on. Really reaching out to me to make me think of things that are not so awful in the world. and. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you know, those brands that are a little bit mid-section and kind of that day-to-day basic wear, how do they make a connection to me meaningful when I'm not leaving my home as often, but maybe I actually am kind of tired of what it is I have in my house or what it is I'm wearing every day because I've been seeing myself mm-hmm. in the same outfit for five months. So <laughs> you know, how do we connect on those levels? Right. But you said something where you, you said appreciate your customers in the way you clientele. And I want to turn that word inward and talk about for you as a leader of multiple teams, how do you think top line executives and store line executives should really begin to pivot and engage employees during this time? That's a really good question. I was thinking about that when I was a midline executive and how I actually dealt with people who worked under me. And the main thing that I felt that was my strength was my communication. 
the fact that I was open, I was transparent, I was honest. Like you can't tell them everything. The biggest complaints that I hear about corporations is that people feel who work in the stores or are more frontline don't feel connected to what's going on in their company. They feel like they're just a number. They don't feel that they matter. But the minute that they hear communication from someone who's the CEO and passes their name or vice president, and it's talking to them personally, like, hey, this is going on with our company. I'm going to be straightforward with you. Um, I can't tell you everything, but these are the main points. And making them feel that you are part of this company, you, you do value you, and listen to them, right? Listen to what they're thinking. They're on the front line. They know what's going on. They know what your customers want more than you do because they're interacting with them. So listen to what they have to say. The biggest thing that capital executives to do to make their employees feel more engaged with them as a company is transparent communication, open, and let them flow both ways. Listen to what they're saying, listen to their ideas, and lastly, reward them. Real rewards. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, thank you for this, pizza party, whatever, but something that they find valuable. Find out what that is and then give it to them, rewarding for a great job and for results. Because you were leading such large groups of people and and I've said this to many people before is like the numbers part of of being a leader is quite easy. That's easy because the numbers don't have emotions Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make you tired. What makes you tired is the shift in personalities to inspire people, right? I'm purposefully using the word inspire, not motivate, because I, I really do think true leaders understand the difference between that. So is there an attribute you have that during those tough times, and we know if anyone who's listening to this, who's worked in retail, you know, COVID continues to happen, but it isn't the first time that retail has had to overcome a hurdle. How do you inspire your teams during those tough times? That's a good question. I inspire my teams by having open communication, but the biggest thing is that I have fun. I really do have fun with my job. I really do have fun when I was managing my teams and I would address things head on. Like, hey guys, we have this huge floor set we have to do. We have to completely do this makeover. It's going to take us three days. We're here, we're going to do it. And I keep it light and I keep it interesting. And I listen. And so people, when they feel heard, they are inspired. When they feel that we have a regional manager come and talk to me, I'm a part-time associate, and she's talking to me, and she's actually listening to what I have to say, and she's actually acknowledging it. Wow, I'm valued. So that's inspiring to me to feel valued by someone. So I keep it fun, keep it light, but I'm also a good communicator, and I also listen and make people feel valued and appreciated. Valued and appreciated, I think, is going to be the forefront of everything as we see the workplace reopen, right, is value and appreciated. I, I would probably say at this point, people are like, I'm, I'm on the front lines. I'm dealing with all kinds of, of issues that we weren't dealing with as sales associates and, mm-hmm. and as store line employees before. And by the way, this didn't make customers nicer necessarily, right? <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> so so, so you, you, I think about, you know, people that are still front line in the stores and I'm just like, I this this must be, the amount of stress that goes along with that. But then from when you are leading the store, Mm -hmm. there's always that pressure of make your numbers, make this happen. This has to happen. It's always funny when people would ask, you know, what does a typical day for you look like? And you're like, I wish I knew because then I could prepare for it. (laughs) Right. Right. When it's been rough for you and because we have so many leaders that listen to this, where do you draw your inspiration from so that you can actually do that for your teams? 
That's a good point. So one thing that got me through a lot of my tough times and trying to be inspiring for my teams actually is my counterparts. People who are actually doing the exact same job I'm doing just somewhere else. And just having someone listen to you who understands and you can talk to freely and get some advice and get some kind of, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. How would you handle this? And have to be someone you can actually bounce ideas off of to get out your chest, get your brain moving again. And somebody that can support you. If someone that can really support you on your same level, the same thing you're dealing with, they're having the same challenges you're dealing with, someone below your level or a little higher might not get it. So what got me through those tough times was calling up my counterpart in Florida, in California. I was in Chicago at the time. Calling those ladies who really understood what I was going through and then having a little session about, okay, what can we do? Some brainstorming. My creative business starts flowing and I start getting some creative ideas for problem solving. So that really got me through my tough times. Which is great because what that means is, is that you were able to have enough self-awareness to go, look, I have to be so self-aware that this is difficult and I have to bring down the leader's shield, reach out to someone and say, look, <laughs> I'm in a pit yeah. of lava. The yeah. floor is lava. What do I do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sinking. Help me out. Because <laughs> when you're in it, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I just want to put my head down. Right. Right. So speaking of that, right? So so we're talking about inspiration. We're talking about these attributes of a leader. If you were to think of one hard skill every retail leader should have, what is it? The first thing that came to my mind was business analysis, to be honest, to understand your numbers and what they mean for your business or how to read your numbers, how to read those charts and all those different reports that we get. Because if you don't know what they mean, how to make action on them, they're not important. So if I can see that I'm down this particular area, why? Analyzing what does that mean? Does it mean that it actually is a bad product for me or is it merchandising? Or is it the fact that I have too little of it and that it's selling too fast or have too much of it and it's selling too slow? And so understanding what those numbers mean, look at them and make actual decisions based on them. I love that you said that because one of the things that used to drive me crazy in a walkthrough And for those of you who are listening who don't know retail lingo, a walkthrough is when we walk through and we talk about our businesses in different categories Mm -hmm. and all kinds Mm -hmm. of fun stuff. And then there would be that person who would be anecdotal with all of their information. And we're looking at the numbers and I'm like, the numbers don't make sense to what you're saying, right? Right. They don't add up. (laughs) They don't add up. And so it's really about how do you look at those numbers and understand the story that those numbers are telling you? Because we all Mm -hmm. see the numbers, but Mm -hmm. but we do need those people in retail stores to provide the color to those numbers, the whys behind it. If you were to think of a soft skill, I'm sorry, I'm totally killing you right now. I'm sorry. I just, you know. (laughs) so fine. What soft skill should every retail leader possess, do you think? Communication. Okay. That is the biggest thing that's gotten me through is able to communicate effectively, which I should um, preface that effective communication. Yeah. Because <laughs> you want to make sure that you're saying the right thing the right way. And you want to make sure that you're saying what needs to be said at that point. So it might be a lot of things going on, but how do you get the results? And how do you get inspiration? Or how do you get the training? Or how do you get the message correctly to your people and understanding your audience you're talking? Well, that is the biggest thing to me is how to communicate effectively and get information to the people who need it when they need it. I think everyone thinks they're a great communicator. That's what's so funny is because Mm -hmm. everyone's like, yeah, I communicate really great. I'm a great communicator. 
And there's different parts of, of what communication looks like because one of my managers, she used to say to me, she's like, you're so good at communicating up. I have to get good at that. And I was like, I don't think about it, but it's funny because if it's a skill that you don't necessarily possess, you recognize it. And I think about that all the time. Like, what does it mean to be able to communicate up? Right. Because when you're store line, like how do you communicate the right way to the corporate leaders and the executive team? And when you're a sales associate, how do you communicate directly to those who are leading on the store line? And mm -hmm. when you're in the stock room, how do you communicate effectively your needs? Because you have needs and you're dealing with different levels of frustration, right? Yes. And so when you're trying to communicate your frustration, it comes out crazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in retail, we use the word challenging when we really want to say, this is really effed up. <laughs> so everyone in the room knows what you mean That's when you hilarious. say challenging. So for those of you who are listening, when you're communicating up, just input challenging mm -hmm. in any of those effed up situations. Or opportunity. Um, <laughs> yes, we have, an <laughs> we have an opportunity here. Yes. Right? We talked about just now hard skills. We talked about soft skills. Mm -hmm. some things just come to you easily and it's mm -hmm. like, that's what I do. And then there are other things that you look back at your career and you go, I, I didn't know how to do that before. Now I do it with no problem. Do you have that thing that you kind of look back at and you laugh and you're like, gosh, I remember when I had no idea how to do that. Now it comes like second nature to me. Yes. Part of why communication is so important is I had the tendency to be impatient <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like repeating myself more than once. <laughs> so I had to learn that that is a skill to understand that not everyone's going to get what you're saying immediately. And that as a trainer and as a communicator and as a leader, you have to appreciate and respect that and actually say things maybe two to three different times, two to three different ways in order to make sure that person understands and gets the training or the information that they need. I had to learn that. <laughs> Because yeah. at first I was like, okay, I just said that. Why well, am I saying this again? And then realizing that okay, everybody's a different way of learning, different level of learning, different pace of learning. And you have to respect everybody's different. And that took me a while to understand that. But once I got it, it became like a nature to me. Like I listened to a person and I learned how to ask questions. Before I would say something, before I would give the information, I would ask questions. So I will see where they're coming from and why they made the decision that they made or why they thought the way they thought, then I can answer accordingly. And then we're all on the same page because if I just shoot off from the mouth and shot from the head, what I'm thinking I could totally miss what's actually going on. So I had to learn to slow down. Like you said, I see the 5,000 opportunities. <laughs> I right. see the 5,000 challenges through my walkthroughs. Well, let me see where they're coming from first. Let me ask some probing questions, right? Let me see why they made those decisions. And then train them to teach from there. And I really had to learn, especially when I became a regional, I had so many different personalities. I'm dealing with DMs. I'm dealing with other regionals. I'm dealing with store managers on different levels. You know, store managers who are running $100 million stores versus store managers running a million. And so right. I had to realize how to deal with those different types and then go from there. So that's the biggest thing I had to learn. I think a lot of what it sounds like you developed was empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about being patient or, or whatever, it's really having empathy and just being able to go, okay, so this person is in this spot and, and let me just look through their eyes for a second before I communicate. And in that way, it's far more meaningful. That's something that a lot of leaders really don't possess simply because 
most leaders are a drive mindset, right? There's mm -hmm. not many people who are leaders who don't have, you know, a drive for results mindset. And that drive for results mindset kind of leaves empathy to the side, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> right? It's like, yes. nobody's got time for all that. Right. Like we we got to get to the end result. So I, I think that's an important thing to develop. And it is something for a lot of us that we develop over time. It was something I had to develop over time is really having that empathy. And, and it, it served me well. I'm fortunate that I learned it on the earlier side of my career. Nicole, did you know that you wanted to be in retail or was it something you kind of fell into? Actually, I wanted to be in retail since I was 16. That's why I have 30 years. Funny story is I wanted to be a journalist first. I'm a good writer. And then I'm like, ah, and then I wanted to be a buyer, actually. Okay. And I actually shadowed a buyer for um, Carson Perry Scott for a summer. This is not for me. <laughs> I don't like it. And then so I had my first job at a company called Gina Cole. I don't know if you guys remember Gina Cole, but it's really old. And I loved it. I loved actually having a touch on fashion as well as selling and customer service. So I actually went to school at Purdue University. They have a degree in retail management. So I was serious. <laughs> I'm 16. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. I was accidental. I got into retail because I, I knew I liked to talk to people, but I also mm -hmm. wanted the clothes from Armani Exchange. It was 1997. I was 17 years old. I, yeah, 17 years old. So I, I didn't know that it would be a full on situation. <laughs> yeah. You, it kind of sucks you in because it's, I, I think what most people don't understand about retail is all of the moving parts make it fun, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's not just about walking into a store and you sell stuff. It's a lot of psychology goes into it, mm -hmm. right? And then the analytics yes. and it gets layered on and layered on and all these moving parts. I mean, inventory day is never fun, but hey. No, <laughs> no I do not like inventory so Nicole, if someone who's listening right now is they're thinking about going into retail, they're thinking about retail leadership. What advice do you have for them? Oh, wow. Were you about to say, don't do it? Just kidding. I know. No, I wasn't. I was going to say, be mindful where you're getting into because retail is a different animal that a lot of people don't understand. To your point, what you just said, most people think it's just helping customers put things on shelves and that's it. And it's way more layered than that. So understand it's very dynamic. Understand there's a lot of moving parts to it, like you mentioned. But understand it can be completely rewarding. And there's a lot of avenues for growth because you don't have to just do one thing. Like an accountant does one thing. There's 20 different areas you can actually branch off into. But understand that it is work and that your life will not be the same as everybody else that you know <laughs> who have a regular nine to five or whatever. Our schedules are completely changing. They're completely different because of what we're dealing with and because of the nature of the beast. So just understand that part. That's the first thing I had to get used to was, okay, it's a holiday and I'm working. <laughs> it's, you know, Thanksgiving and I'm up at 5 a.m. You know, so it's like, right. it's a little different thing, but you have a lot more flexibility what you can do within that as well. So differences and nuances is very rewarding. It can be extremely fun. So. Those are the main thing that I would give advice on because that's a lot of people I think leave retail because, like you said, they don't understand the hours, they understand the dynamic, and it's, they understand that it's not easy. It is work, right. but it's rewarding work as well. Awesome, Nicole. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they have questions or or if they want to get in touch with you? Oh, sure, that's fantastic. So the best way to get in touch with me to DM and get questions answered are on Facebook 
which is Creative Visual Solutions, one, and my Instagram, because I'm on there a lot. I do a lot of posting on Instagram, a lot of great resources and information. So you can DM as well to ask questions and get some you know, advice on things. And that's Creatives Solutions. Those are the two best ways to get in touch with me. I'm on there all the time. And yeah, those are the best ways to contact me, ask questions. I love helping people. I love helping people in retail and fashion industry because I know how hard it is to get just some simple questions answered for you. Awesome. Nicole, this has been a fun conversation to have today. I always love talking to a fellow retail, true retail, rigor, (laughs) understanding it person. So it has been such a great time speaking to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I had a really good time. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to this episode of Retail Revolution. A very special thank you to everyone who has helped make this podcast possible. If you'd like to support the work we're doing, please visit our show page at retailrevolutionpodcast.com and click on the donate link. Our theme music was composed by Spencer Powell. Be well and stay tuned for our next episode.